1: Learn more at marines.com.
0: What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show, a pseudo-emergency podcast edition. Uh, We're sorry we haven't been with you the last couple weeks between vacations and furloughs and things of that nature. Mike and I just haven't been on at the same time uh, until now, Uh, and just in time, conveniently, because today we were planning on recording a podcast anyway, actually, and So the Eagles conveniently, which they don't usually do this stuff conveniently for us, which is pretty rude of them, but today they did. And, uh, Jason Peters is coming back to the Eagles and in a somewhat surprising twist, at least to me, I was pretty surprised by it. Uh, I haven't really seen what your thoughts are quite yet. Uh, but he'll be playing right guard for the Eagles, at least initially. And that, uh, so obviously he's the replacement for Brandon Brooks. And now the offensive line in theory is set for the 2020 season. If there is one, Uh, what, what was, uh, what was like your immediate reaction to that specific part of the news? Less than the Jason Peters coming back
1: part. You said something interesting there that, uh, that was basically my reaction. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, uh, so I had heard over the weekend that there were whispers that they were looking into a veteran guard and still talking to Jason Peters. It looks like the, a game of telephone kind of merged and he is the veteran guard and he's also just Jason Peters. Um, yeah, this is uh I don't like this move. I don't like this move at all. Um for several reasons. I I think it goes against their off-season philosophy. Yes, I've talked about you know COVID and its impact on the preseason excuse me, and training camp as well. And I thought that made sense for a guy who has played left tackle for the last 15 years. I don't really like the idea of bringing in somebody who's 38 to change positions. Um, 38 change, with
0: bad knees, by the way.
1: And change – I mean, he's never played guard. He's, he's never played guard. Yeah. He played right tackle in 2005 for the Bills. That's the only time he's been on the right side. So he's not only never played guard, He's also hasn't played on the right side in 15 years. So mm-hmm. you're doing that, and you're saying – okay, cool. See, to me, I don't want to put on a tinfoil hat here, but my my logic is like, if Dillard doesn't play well, do you move Peters back to left tackle, or is he still your right guard? Or if Peters doesn't play well at right guard, do you move him to left tackle, and then it's Sayonara Andre Dillard from the starting lineup? I think that's something that the Eagles have kind of left open-ended here. I mean, I got a lot of pushback And I want to publicly apologize. I kind of jumped the gun because I had heard that they'd wanted to bring back Jason Peters. And the assumption was that he was going to be a left tackle. I posted a draft that um, I wrote over the weekend uh, talking about how it's a bad look for Andre Dillard. Um, I've updated the story, but I also still think this is not a terrific look for Andre Dillard in the fact that yeah, he doesn't have to immediately look over his shoulder. But what if Jason Peters just isn't good at right guard? And yeah. here's the thing. like The NFLPA is pushing for very limited contact and practices and also pushing for no preseason games. You're going to have a man who has so much muscle memory on the left side and on the outside, and you're going to now put him in an elevator in a place that he's never been. On a completely opposite side of the, th- yeah, he's got Lane Johnson there, but that doesn't really matter. I, I, I don't, it's just a very weird move to make, especially from a muscle memory sense. He's not like a college kid who's been, you know, moving around the offensive line like Jack Driscoll. This is a guy who has been an all world left tackle for 15 years. Um, and I just think. Look, Jason Peters, uh, Jason Peters wanted to be here. It's very clear. It's abundantly clear. For him to swallow his pride and say, look, I'm going to play right guard when I know I'm better than the left tackle is a pretty big deal. Uh, and I applaud him for that. That said, I don't think he's, I, I just, I don't get this move other than the fact that maybe it expands your depth. Matt Pryor's a guy who can play three to four spots uh, like Big V did last year. Um, they seem to be somewhat high on him. And the thing is, is if he would have started at right guard, they would have had three, listen to this, Zach, three offensive snaps in the regular season of experience behind that entire starting line. All from Nate Herbig. So <laughs> has no experience. They drafted two rookies who have no NFL experience. Jordan Mailata's never played a meaningful game in his life. Like, they had to do something. I will tell you this, bringing back Peters, I don't know if Jordan Mailata can make this team. Too, I mean, because you've got Peters who, if there's an injury to Dillard or he struggles, you can move Peters over to the left tackle and prior to right guard. Um, prior could also be your your backup right tackle, your backup right guard, and your backup left guard. Um, I just don't see how Jordan Maylotta wins a swing tackle job, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. What's your reaction? Are you on the same page as me? Because I feel like a crazy person right now. <laughs>
0: Well, I, th- I think there are a few different layers to this. Um, on one hand, I think Jason Peters has proven time and time again that you doubt him at your own peril, kind of thing. You know, yeah, the age thing, and you know he's still in a, he was an above, above average left tackle, uh, as you said, better than Andre Dillard. He he considered himself better. He played most of the games the last two years, even if he left a bunch of them. Um, so on that hand, you know, this is a Hall of Famer, one of the most athletic and talented offensive linemen to ever play in the NFL, let alone for the Eagles. So, like you, I understand the Eagles believing in him being able to make the transition in that sense. And um, you know, I, I think it's fair to be for from the Eagles' perspective whether you agree with this or not. Is it's fair to be more confident in Peters' ability to fill in for Brandon Brooks and Matt Pryor, who has only started one game in his career or whatever it was. I think so, that's I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a there's the that mindset. Um, you kind of covered this a little bit. I saw some of the Eagles writers tweeting this that. The, the idea is that he's also kind of their swing tackle where he can fill in at left or right tackle if if need be. I don't love that for a 38-year-old with bad knees to keep moving him where he's looking in a def- different direction in theory. Um, like, like you said, because he's going to be changing, look, looking right or left and, and all that. I mean, you've talked to experts. I, I don't think either of us can pretend to be like full-on offensive line experts. Uh, I know you talked to Trey Thomas and uh, some other people. Yeah. And, and And a lot of them say it's not as simple as just he's great here, so he can probably be good over there. Uh, so I, I think that's a legit concern. Uh, I'm, I mean, this all kind of the underlying thing here is that whether there will be a season or not anyway. Um, and I'm sure the Eagles or whether it will stop, stop, and start and stop and start. And if it's doing that, then maybe you feel better about Jason Peters being around and, you know, staying in shape than a young guy who's never proven himself. And it's a, it's such a weird situation that it's hard to like fully evaluate in that way. But yeah, I, I'm less confident uh, in his ability to be a stellar right. Guard. Like the, It seems like people aren't preparing as well for the possibility that he could be bad at right guard in theory. Like the odds of Jason Peters being bad anywhere aren't great, but the odds of him being maybe below average or average when they had an elite right guard before, you know, that they're pretty good considering his age, his injury history. um, And the fact that he's like you said, he's never even played on. He hasn't played on the right side of the offensive line in general in 15 years. So uh, I'm not like I mean, I'm not as negative as you about it, but I'm definitely not as positive as everybody else seems to be.
1: Wow, that's a weird transition for us. Normally I'm the more positive one near the next. (laughs) So here's what I'll say. Um, What I do like about how they announced this is they announced him as the guard. So what's positive here for Andre Dillard is they aren't immediately, you know, closing the door on him. I I think that that's really important. Whether they think, you know, he's the ultimate stopgap for them or not, um, they're going to at least give Peters a shot at right guard. And I think... It's similar to Big V last year where they put Big V at right guard and he ended up really never playing the position uh, because Brandon Brooks came back and, and did his thing. But um, this offensive line lacks a lot of experience behind the starting line, and you do kind of wonder, with Pryor bring probably your most versatile offensive lineman, if the idea is to not only strengthen your depth but also have a legitimate sixth man. Because they didn't have that if Pryor was starting. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, Jack,
0: Jack, Jack Driscoll was pretty much it, and he's never played an NFL snap. So.
1: Right. And, you know, I don't think this is an indictment of any of the rookies or any of the young players because they haven't been on the field yet. But my concern is yeah, guys make the team really from training camp practice, and that's fine. But if you're not having a lot of contact for the line, it's very hard to kind of decipher who's playing well and who's transitioning well and who's comfortable. My issue too is Jason Peters, as you said, has bad knees. He typically leaves games. So you're basically having to prep Matt prior to be a starter too. I mean, they practice, they always say they practice like they're practicing the start, but like, Matt Pryor is going to have to be ready at right guard. And the issue is, is if he has to come in at right guard, what are you going to do when Andre Dillard or Lane Johnson have to come out for a spell? Who's going to be that other tackle? And so I think this is a really interesting setup for them. And I'm not really on board. I I, I'm on board. on bringing Jason Peters back. If if they brought him back at left tackle, I'd get it. But like right now, I'm just like struggling to, uh, buy into the right guard, uh, Message, if that makes sense. Like, I think I think bringing him back was the right move. I just think pigeonholing him at right guard and saying, you know what, we know you're near forty. We know this is the end of your career, but we're gonna put you in a position. You know, the Eagles typically Jeff Stoutland doesn't like to disrupt multiple positions. He's not yeah. a guy who likes to do that for the sake of one player. So think,
0: uh, he, he always says you don't want to get worse at two spots or whatever.
1: Yeah. Right. So look, Isaac Samalu gets a lot of flack, but Isaac Samalu was very good during the second half of the season. Like very good. I thought
0: he, I thought he, he, he was consistent at least. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, look, he had the bad, which, game is against, way, which is way better
0: than he has been in the past.
1: yeah. Right. He had that bad game against Grady Jarrett, but everybody has bad games against Grady Jarrett. He's a top three defensive tackle in the league. Uh, I, I, I just think, A lot of people have asked me, would you move Sam Moller to the right guard spot because he does have experience there and then keep Peters on the left side? Well, then you're having Peters, uh, who's inexperienced at left guard, next to Andre Dillard, who's inexperienced in the NFL at left tackle. I just don't know if that really helps you. I mean, maybe it does in the sense that you have a guy who knows the position next to him and knows where to be and everything, but... I also think moving Isaac for the sake of moving Isaac to make Jason Peters comfortable makes this move even worse. If that's the case, uh, yeah. I
0: mean, and you have to remember that Sam All is a guy who's had confidence issues in the past, and he, he's more likely to be here long term. So you want to keep him in right. the spot where he's most comfortable. Whereas Peters, in theory, I mean, again, like I think we're both surprised that Peters was willing to do this. Yeah. Top of everything, like he's been really like he's always talked about his legacy and how he thinks he's one of the best left tackle. Like if he. Still thinks he's one of the best left tackles in the NFL, which he probably does. And I'm sure he got interest from other teams. Maybe not enough money is probably why he didn't sign elsewhere. Um, I mean, this contract
1: but, is nothing. Like, this contract... You know, it wasn't like, like $6
0: million, the- but only 3 and a half guaranteed or something like that?
1: It's 3 guaranteed, and he can make up to 6 with all of his incentives. And I, I this is just an assumption, but my assumption would be that one of those incentives would be as if he plays a certain amount of games at left tackle.
0: Yeah. Oh, uh, Okay.
1: that's an assumption. I don't want to put that out as a report or anything, but to get to that number, I mean, 3 million to double your salary or double your, your outlook, whether he's got like a $1 million, like roster, you know, like, um, base salary, he's at least got a 1.5 base salary. So you say with 3 million guaranteed, he's probably making around 4.5 million, but to get, get 1.5 billion in incentives there's got to be some like legit harder reach stuff in there. Um, yeah.
0: And, and I, and on that point, I would say odds are pretty good that he winds up playing tackle at some point, even beyond just, even if beyond if Andre Dillard is good or bad or whatever, or if Lane Johnson gets hurt, like an underlying thing here that nobody's really talking about. We haven't really discussed yet. Is that the fact that there's going to be positive coronavirus tests? If there's a season, there's going to be guys that have to sit for two weeks or whatever. And if one of those is a tackle, then you feel better about just moving Jason Peters over than you know playing somebody out of position or playing Jordan Mailata or playing Jack Driscoll at left tackle kind of thing. So oh, yeah, in I that sense, I, I in that sense I get why maybe they wanted Peters instead of you know Ronald Leary or Larry Warford who can only play guard kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I think there's logic to that. I think when we're looking at <clears throat> the Eagles in general. They're very good about cross-training, or at least yeah. they, they they at least attempt to be good at cross-training. I shouldn't give them that much credit, but I think... They do the, it. Yeah, they, <laughs> they do, do it. At least. I think this is a matter of really trusting um, someone like uh, you know Jeff Stoutland, who I think is one of the five best offensive line coaches in the league. He clearly has a say in this. There's no question about it. He's a run game coordinator. He's also the guy who has been with Peters the longest in his career um and so I think from that standpoint I I just find it really interesting because when you talk to Trey Thomas Trey's like so you're gonna have him kick off his opposite leg he's gonna be in he's gonna he's used to being in space you're basically I mean it's like a whole new world like he's on like a magic carpet ride with Aladdin right now. I mean, no, for real. Like this is like, this is, this is a whole new thing. And I I think there are people that are just like, Oh, well, he's a great offensive lineman. Just move him. And I think the Eagles realize that the transitions, not just, you know, um, rainbows and butterflies, but I just think like the weight of this is kind of big. If he doesn't, if he's not successful, what do you do? um, because the idea of him playing swing tackle at this point in his career is kind of crazy to me. Uh,
0: I mean, he's not—he's not, he's not going to accept being a backup either. Like, if he's bad, they're not going to bench him,
1: right? But he's got three million in guaranteed money. So, yeah. what do you do? Like, yeah. I mean, like that's the I thing.
0: Mean, I guess I guess I'm, I would like would do he just say fine, cut me or something? Like, I don't even know how that would play out because that's always kind of bit. They've always walked a fine line with him, where you know they they didn't really ask him to move at all the last few years, even. You know, if if that would have been right last or whatever, he obviously was the right in the end. He was obviously the right guy to play left tackle the last couple of years, even if he, he wasn't Jason Peters of old. But like you're walking a fine line with a guy who's as respected as he is in that building and who kind of like does what he wants in a way, like not in a bad way. But like he kind of like he doesn't talk to the media for most of the season and nobody questions it pretty much.
1: Well, and when he does. He's the best quote Yeah, that's the only part, actually, yeah. (laughs) You know what's crazy? And and I'll tell a story. So we were in London in 2018. I had been on the beat, I guess, like a month and a half. And I'd only really talked to Jason Peters once. And I remember turning to you and being like, eh, I don't know if I really want to talk to him. And Mm -hmm. you go... No, he's the best quote on the team. I was like, oh, really? Like, I I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even really think about it. So then I went over.
0: Yeah, because he just says what he thinks. Like, he doesn't care what what, like the blowback or whatever.
1: And then so we were at that like rugby field where they practice and I went over and this man is like going off on like beautiful tangents of quotes like it's a beat writer's dream. And I said to myself, I'm going to interview Jason Peters every chance I get for the rest of my life.
0: And, and and that was like two more times.
1: Yeah, there was like yeah, I think we talked like four more times, and uh, he told me that he didn't want to retire. And I got some one-on-one time with him last year. He was great.
0: Well, well that and that's, that makes me think of like training camp last year. Like the, the, on the rare time he talked, he like mentioned uh, like in passing something, but because he was mentoring Andre Dillard at that point, that was like a big storyline last year. And it and that's actually something I wanted to touch on in a second, anyway. But um, and and he said like who his mentor was, like in passing. Uh, when he was first coming at the bill. So I I wound up being able to do a pretty cool story on the guy that, it, that mentored him. And that, that's why like guys like that are fun to talk to. Cause they just kind of talk off the cuff. And, and I, I think of like, after they beat the bears uh, in the playoffs in the locker room, I like asked him about going back to New Orleans. He's like, Oh yeah, we're going to go in there and beat them. And so of course that blew up <laughs> pretty good. Cause when you guarantee a win that always uh, goes over, especially with new Orleans fans who are pretty sassy, but um, all right. So getting back to the, to the original point though. So, well, another like side of this is it. I want it, it'll be interesting to see how like, how Andre Dillard takes this. He could take this as Jason Peters is there as a threat. Like if I'm bad, if I play bad, is he going to come play poorly? Is he going to come in and replace me? Or he could view it as all right, my mentor is still here. I can go to him. Like there's no better offensive line coach outside of Jeff Stoutland than Jason Peters that he could possibly have. So I, I think that's going to be a story because I think Dillard's had some confidence issues too. And you saw in his struggles that a lot of that had to do with a lack of confidence in his ability to play right tackle that one week or like whatever it was. So I'm just I'm very curious to see how he takes it, because that's going to kind of dictate a lot of what happens.
1: Yeah, you know, so something that I I touched on about their offseason philosophy and and kind of looking at a youth movement here. Here's here's my it's not a huge overarching problem. A lot of people on the beat give me crap because I care so much about the backups. Um, but I, I do think they need to get to the point where they have like long-term development here. Like J- this could be Jason Kelsey's last year. Yeah. Lane Johnson, you know, there's always the, the small chance that God forbid he gets another suspension. He's out for an entire season, you know, um, you know, Andre Dillard's still a work in progress. Isaac samalu has got one really good season to his name. You know, they really need to develop talent and bringing in Peter's, it's going to be really tough to make this team as a backup offensive lineman, because when you look at it, they keep nine guys, typically. So the five guys, it, it, the six guys that probably are locks to make this team are, um, you know, Dillard, Samalu, Malu, um, Kelsey, Peters, Johnson, and Pryor. And then I would say Jack Driscoll's probably a lock to make the team, too. So that's seven guys. Yeah. Um and then so you leave
0: two or three spots on the active roster
1: really. Right? right. And so there's people that are still like marking out for, uh, for Jordan Melata. There are people that are really excited about Prince Tegawanagu, uh, who might start the the season on PUP. There's people. I mean, look, they love, Herbig, yeah. they love Nate Herbig. Um, and Suo Opeta is a guy who was very highly regarded as an undrafted free agent signing. He and, and uh, TJ Edwards were the two big guy, big names that they signed. Um, and then they brought and, in and,
0: and, and they prevented him from being signed by somebody else last year.
1: Right. By promoting him. Yeah. And then they, they brought in Luke Jiriga who profiles as a bigger Jason Kelsey um, who, and they gave him a, a decent guarantee. So I just think uh, like, this is going to be interesting because some of these guys are going to get picked up if they get cut. Now the new, the new roster size rules, um, you know, where you can call up two guys from the practice squad every week. One of them has to be an offensive lineman. That's more of an incentive to keep less offensive linemen on the 53 roster to begin yeah. with. So it might mean that they only keep eight and then yeah. they call up one of those guys. The problem is you got to get those guys to the practice squad. Before yeah. you can, you know,
0: and I feel like at this point my Lado would make it that far, honestly.
1: Yeah, probably, but I, I think you, 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 what's what the problem is here is this o- offensive line talent is like needed in droves. Yeah, you need to have at least seven really good offensive linemen, and most teams don't have that, so you could see a guy like Herbig or somebody get picked up. I also think when you look at the long-term, we talked about Kelsey. He need You need a successor there. And as much as Isaac Samalu has been earmarked for that, supposedly behind the scenes, if he's a really good left guard, why are you going to make yourself worse at that position? Now, Jack Driscoll makes sense as a future left guard, and then maybe you move Isaac, but you still don't know what you have there. And I, I just think, like look, Jason, you want to win now. This is the year to win now. The window is closing. I get it. A hundred percent. I know that everybody's going to blow up the comments with that. That said, they could drop a guy who turns out to be a really good player or maybe two. And so I think those are the short, the long-term consequences. That said, you know, if they feel like they're going to go on a run, which they clearly do, you know, this is the time to do it. Um, because next year, they're going to have to cut a lot of guys. Yeah. Not on the offensive line, but but in general. If, if you were predicting which
0: offensive line I'm making and what should go to the practice squad, like what would it be right now? Because after the six slots that you
1: said. So, uh, so I would do Jack Driscoll. Um, yeah, that's... So to give you just like, not to go too in depth, but I would keep Jack Driscoll because he would be my backup uh, left guard. He would kind of be what Steph, Stefan Wisniewski had been over the last few years, okay? Um, he's my my Samalo insurance. I don't want to teach him too many spots. Uh, Pryor is going to be like Big V. He's going to be my backup right guard, my backup right tackle, and probably in emergency circumstances, if Jason Peters is injured, my backup left tackle. So I have those seven guys. I know I'm going to have those seven guys. I'm probably putting Prince Tegawanagu. On PUP, it's a shortened off-season. Why risk it? He had a meniscus injury. Let him have an injury red shirt for the year. And then you can uh, expand his, um, you know, eligibility, kind of like what you did with Sidney Jones, where Sidney Jones is going to be a restricted free agent next year because he didn't get a full year, uh, his rookie year, to count against uh, his credibility in the league or whatever. Um, sorry, that's in the, in the weeds. Then mm-hmm. I think... Sua Opetta and Nate Herbig are my other two guys because they really, they sat on those guys for a year, excuse me, similar to what they did with Herbig. And so, or sorry, similar to what they did with prior the year before, they clearly think that he's a guy that, or both those guys have potential. I, I think Sua Opeta could be a potential right tackle or left guard down the road. I think Herbig's a guy they, they really want to see what he has at center Um, But he was a really good right guard at Stanford. Um, So I think they want to keep their options open there. The issue here with Melata is if there's no preseason, he's got like maybe like four or five preseason games to his name in football in general. And that's not enough for me, especially at the left tackle or right tackle position, which are so important. Um, Opeta would be the guy that I would pick over him it really intrigues me, but you can wrap up uh, signing bonuses into practice squad contracts, so it's not that big of a deal. Um, Jurega I would put on the practice squad. Julian Good-Jones I know nothing about, so I'm not even going to try to uh, look into that. And I guess, you know, uh, Keegan Render, who was with them last year, as you hear Jack barking, um, <laughs> I-, I think that's your your, your main group, but – yeah, I don't know. I know I'm going to, uh, randomly. Sounds like,
0: sounds like Jack has some thoughts.
1: Yeah, well, Jack is a big Julian Good-Jones fan. He's watched more tape on him than I have. Uh, <laughs> you know, look, it, what also needs to be talked about, not that it will really matter, but the Eagles need to make a roster move now that they've hired signed Peters. I do wonder who they cut. Um, I also think it's worth talking about now, too. Uh, the the NFLPA is pushing for the the teams to cut down their rosters to 80 players. Now that's interesting for the Eagles because they have Matt Leo, who's part of the international players uh, pathway program. So he counts as an extra spot. They have 91 players as opposed to 90. I don't know if they'd make them cut them down to 80 or cut them down to 81, but you're talking about cutting down 10 players who are going to lose their dreams before they even realize it, you know, and then bringing in Peters, it's going to be at least 11 because you got to cut that extra person. So um, we might have even less offensive linemen to choose from when we're projecting the roster next week or the week after. Um, you know, so this is just all a mess. It's like this is probably the hardest off season to predict, yeah, ever. I mean, and understandably so. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I've seen people online say or on social media saying, you know, that this signing was only due to Brooks. I don't believe that for a second. Maybe it finalized things, uh, but they've been talking to him since eight, talking to Peters since April. Um, I think Peters wanted to come back. I think the Eagles wanted to have him back. This gave them an easy in to bring him back. Um, it all worked out. And and to let's call this segment tin foil, uh, the segment tinfoil. foil, the tinfoil segment because. I actually think bringing him in under the assumption of him moving to right guard only to to be as insurance for Dillard is like really kind of brilliant if you think about it if you're a conspiracy theorist you're not completely wiping out the the opportunity for Andre Dillard you're giving Andre Dillard all the 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 backing publicly that you can and then if he stinks up the joint then you've got you you, you know good old Jason Peters to move back to left tackle and you regroup. I think this is a smart PR way of handling this at least. Um, so there's that. All
0: right. Yeah. So d- we can put a bell on the Peters comment before we get going. Do you, th- do you think they make any other moves before, tr- I mean, other than if the rosters are cut down, which will make it even more complicated, but like, do you see them bringing back a Curry? I-, I don't think they're going to do anything major. Uh, you can t- touch on that, but do you think you see them doing anything else?
1: Uh, I hate to be a wet blanket here, but not really. I mean, I look. Yeah,
0: I don't think you really need to at this point.
1: Maybe, maybe you bring in a linebacker. Like that's the one position where I'm like, wow, they are like paper thin there. Um, but like, here's the thing. People have said, bring back Nigel Bradham. Well, Nigel Bradham's been a free agent longer than free agencies existed this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. if they wanted that to happen, he'd be back. Um, you look at somebody like Vinnie Curry, um, I don't know what's going on there. I actually thought he'd get a decent deal. I thought he well, played well. I, I, I,
0: think, I think with him, you can maybe point to the fact that like so many of the edge rushers are still on the market still, too.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of bad edge rusher market. That's a good point. Um, I, I never thought they were going to be in on Clowney. I just don't think... like If you sign him to an eight to $9 million deal, it's a one-year deal, yes, but it still impacts next year because it's creating a bleak salary cap rollover opportunity for you. Bringing in Peters, they're probably at about $20 million. Um, in cap space uh, we haven't seen the contract so we don't know but yeah if you bring in somebody on a nine million dollar contract guess what it all hits on a one-year deal so then you've got 11 million dollars to roll over you still haven't signed your entire draft class either so i i just don't think that that's smart business i also don't think clowny helps you from a sack standpoint he's very good he's a very good run. he's one of the best run defenders in the league but their whole thing with getting rid of um, uh, former defensive line coach, um, y- you talk to him. Uh, what's what's that? Chris Wilson? No, not, oh, yeah. Chris, not Chris Wilson. Uh, uh, Philip Daniels? Philip Daniels. Yeah, the whole point of getting rid of Philip Daniels was that you wanted to see more production. Well,. <clears throat> You know, Clowney does a lot of things that are great that don't end up in the stat sheet. That's not necessarily helping you. Plus, you just picked up the fifth-year option on Derek Barnett. You're not going to bench Brandon Graham when you're paying him the money that you are. So I don't—and they supposedly really like Josh Sweat from everything I've been told. So, yeah, I mean, I could see Vinny Curry coming in as the fourth defensive tackle— defensive end, excuse me— Um because there's so many question marks behind them with Sharif Miller and Joe Osman coming off an ACL tear and Deshaun Hall likely to start on PUP and, um, you know, we don't know what Casey Tuhill is. So, yeah, I mean, look, I could see Vinnie Curry coming back, maybe, but probably not till they figure out what's going on in training camp. I just don't think there's any rush to. Uh, his market clearly isn't there, which is a shame because I thought he played pretty well last year. Yeah, you had a decent year.
0: Um, anything else you want to add before we get out? Uh, training camp technically should be starting in two weeks. We don't really know exactly what that's going to look like yet. They're still negotiating with the NFLPA and the and the owners, um, or the league or whatever. So, like, we don't we don't know exactly like when we'll even be allowed to be there. And us being there, we won't be allowed to do a lot of things that we would have in the past. So, like, a lot of the fun of training camp coverage is kind of going to be going by the wayside. Like you won't have as many training camp stars, I would say that like you have in the past, maybe, and there won't be as much like play-by-play coverage, and we won't really get any one-on-one interviews, at least in person anymore. But yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm very curious to see what this looks like in two weeks if it even starts. Then,
1: yeah, I actually wanted to bring up something interesting that I saw that uh, Dave Spadera, the Eagles uh, in-house beat writer, um, brought up. Uh, they were they announced like the winners of their like internal competitions via the virtual program. And Rob Davis was brought up as one of them, um, which I thought was really interesting because uh, you, you just brought up, you know, we're not gonna be able to, to track competitions the way we used to probably. Um, Rob Davis is an interesting guy. And this is my final thought for the podcast. But if Alshon Jeffrey starts on PUP they really only have one X receiver in, in uh, JJ or single Whiteside who they don't really even know if he's like up to par. Uh, Rob Davis is a big body. He's super athletic. I know he, he quote unquote disappeared during some games because, uh, he was basically used as the, um, the clear out route runner and a blocker similar to Mac Collins. But I wonder if having a year of experience might help him sneak on as the sixth wide receiver on the depth chart. Um, I think they have a lot of Z receivers and a lot of guys who can fit in the slot, but Rob Davis is a guy who brings size pretty decent blocker and he's been in the league for a bit.
0: Yeah, I think that makes, that's interesting. Um, all right, we can wrap up on that note. Uh, we'll hopefully get, get back to you guys again next week with another podcast. Uh, I'm sure we'll know a lot more about what training camp will look like if it even starts on time by then we'll have, we can start previewing training camp a little bit more. Um, unless the Eagles make another big move, which who knows? I mean, according to Brian Baldinger, they were going to make a big move, and we don't know if this was the one. So, um, yeah, anyway, uh, we'll, end, <laughs> we'll, end on that, we'll end on that note. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, write us some reviews, leave us some questions, and we'll try and get them on the next pod.